In this episode of Emerge, I'm speaking with Robert McNaughton. Robert was the founder and executive director of the Integral Center in Boulder. From its birth in 2013 to its recent closure at the end of 2018. We chat about the shadows of idealism, leadership and patriarchy, the essence of conservatism, the history of the integral movement in Boulder, Colorado, intersubjective reductionism, Robert's concerns about the spread of authentic relating throughout the world, and how understanding attachment theory helps bring balance into relational practices. I really appreciate this conversation and the way it gives us a glimpse into the history of the integral movement, a philosophical movement that has profoundly impacted my life and the life of many others who have been on the show. And in particular, I appreciate the perspective this gives on what it looks like when a philosophical movement lands in the often unforgiving realities of organizations and communities. I find that Robert is a, is a kind of dose of reality and fresh air to these conversations that I have on the show that can often be abstract and can often stay theoretical. Well, here is a person who has done the hard work of actually attempting to build a community based on the philosophy that he really believed in. I think it's well worth listening to what he has to share and well worth trying to learn from some of the lessons that he has uh, hard won. So please enjoy this episode of Emerge with Robert McNaughton. How do we take these really beautiful ideals and philosophies and hopes for the future yes. and sort of create networks of belonging and participation that yes. actually like make good on at least some of those ideals? Without letting idealism become the new source of the problem, like the iatrogenics of things. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. Which is, uh, is something I'm tracking a lot more is like, okay, when, you know, when can we stop trying to change the world mm-hmm. and just like get on board with the things that are already working versus, yeah. you know, frames like game B and things like that. I don't, I don't want to sound adversarial to it, but I'm just skeptical because it is kind of like a, a paradigm shift, mm-hmm. you know, uh, vocabulary, yeah. you know, like game A isn't, isn't working. Well, I, I'm not a, subscriber to that. Hmm. Like I believe that game A is working hmm. and like, you know, I'm a Steven Pinker kind of guy. Like oh, I'm, I'm like, you know, no, things, things are working great. There's always challenge. There's always suffering. There's always these things. And we're working always to mitigate against those things. Yeah, but yeah. that doesn't mean what we've been doing is like fundamentally flawed. That's like tear down the patriarchy. Well, type. okay. So to- totally, <laughs> totally. And I, I, you know, I, I, I see the Stephen Pinker argument. I'm like, yeah, definitely like by a lot of metrics, especially the things that we can measure, yeah. things are getting better. And yet, you know, suicide is one of the leading causes of death of people like in my age range. Sure. Um, and, and then there's this whole question of existential risk, which he doesn't really account well, you know, for. No, there's the entire chapter on existential risk. But in a way that can really meet uh, the... I mean, so, so I mean, 
I, I assume you're familiar with Daniel Schmachtenberger's yeah. work. Like, yeah, well, not, but not deeply. And I've, you know, so, yeah, so I'm not fully up to date on well, his. So, I, you know, I, 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 I often am in a position where I don't know what to believe. You know, I'm kind of operating on, like, what I feel is best in any sure. given situation. Like, there are people smarter than me that I'm, like, looking to. And of then course. I'm, like, cross-referencing it with other people who are smarter than me. And I'm trying to, like, make sense. And, and really smart people I know are into Daniel. Right. Well, and, but one of the things that he says that I've kind of, like, been ruminating on is this idea that um, win-lose game dynamics mm-hmm. um, on a finite playing field mm-hmm. with exponential technology is invariably self-terminating. That's like a Charles, Charles Eisenstein idea. It's, yeah, well, it's, it's a more kind of like sophisticated and, unpacking. And, and, and I'm not fully in agreement with that. Well, because, I think, so tell me, tell me more well, like what, what so, you disagree with. So in one sense... Also, uh, first move that up. Yeah, sure. So yeah, we're we're kind of in deep water here, and this is good stuff because this is a lot of the things where I'm navigating these days, and also I feel fortunate for having you know closed down the Integral Center because now I don't have skin in the game in a way where I have to kind of say, oh, I'm an Integralist definitely. I can mm-hmm. actually be wh- whatever I need to be to totally. kind of like do the inquiry justice in my own way. So, but the things I've been studying around this is like for for one thing, there's the power law. You know, there's like the the mathematical economical model that says like, you know, power is intrinsic to mm. things. It always exists. If mm. you do any kind of simulation, there is never like a model that like ends up in a quality, mm-hmm. right? There's always going to be that 1% dynamic of things. And so it's like, yeah. it, it's it's kind of like get to be intimate with that, get to know it and learn how to work within that. But... There are things like the Nash equi- equilibrium. And so this is where I come to kind of like this, this uh, the idea that the win-lose dynamic is inherently flawed. It's mm-hmm. like, well, um, except for when we have models like a Nash equilibrium. Are you familiar with that? Vaguely, maybe you can. So there's the movie uh, Beautiful Mind yeah. about, you know, the mathematician Nash who this is what he was famous for. And there's the scene where they're in the bar and the guys like all want to you know, date the the really hot girl. But he sees that like, well, actually, if they not compromise, but work together to find the optimal, you know, date for each other, they can all win. Mm-hmm. And there actually isn't a loser and there's no compromise. They're mm-hmm. not actually losing more, mm-hmm. uh, losing on any degree. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, he got, I believe, the Nobel Prize for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like, I believe there are ways for you know, optimal outcomes to be achieved that don't resort to using a win-lose frame of reference against win-lose models. Mm, okay, right on. <laughs> you know, yeah. so we're like, othering is bad, so let's other othering. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's a kind of performative contradiction that maybe perhaps pointing to. And, and once again, I don't claim to be an authority on these things. This is just where my inquiry well, I mean, has that's, brought me. I mean, that's the, the, the joy of this, this inquiry is I don't think any of us are really experts in this. You know, it's what is happening now, right. and we're kind of all trying to orient ourselves in this extremely and increasingly chaotic time. And it's yep. like, how do we make sense of this? How do we kind of make bets on the future? And, and I appreciate, I think, you know, at least in terms of the people I typically talk to, it sounds like you're more um, saying that, you know, uh, maybe this system as it currently exists doesn't require a kind of systemic paradigm shift. And well, this we can is, kind of... this, yeah, thank you. And this is really coming from the place that you're finding me in today, which is post-integral center Robert having, you know, been like I 
I was an idealist for the better part of my young adult life until I started a business that serves to idealists. Yeah, and right. then I really got to see the, you know, the dirtiness behind the curtain of like what, what the reality kind of, what washes up on the shores of reality with that. And so I'm a little cynical and bitter on the <laughs> other end. I think I'm starting to recover, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, running an institution, being the one responsible for making the money for it, being yeah. the one that had like, I'm the patriarchy, I'm the man in that system, right? Mm-hmm. And so that has given me a lot of empathy and compassion for the man, <laughs> for the system, for yeah. the, the patriarchy, which really just yeah. means order, you yeah. know? And yeah. so like, you know, it's like, well, you know, it's, 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 I have to be cautious how I say some of these things. I can't just use some of the shortcuts that I would in normal informal conversations yeah. since we're being recorded. But yeah. it's like, you know, it's, it's a dirty job, but it's like leadership is stepping up into a job and doing the best that you can to do it, knowing that you're going to get shot in the back many times. And so I think, long story short, like by virtue of that, I'm now in a position where I just tend to take an extra perspective on anything that looks like idealism. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, and just also, it's like like you said, it's really good to have a, you know other perspectives on this where there's there are great thought leaders like you know Schmachtenberger and Eisenstein and all these people. But I'm in a particular season of my life which has me for whatever reason taking a different perspective, you know, to bring to the dialectic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I guess. Maybe we can uh, go go a bit get a deeper cut there. I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was um, I have always struggled with this balance. That, at least in my mind, my world, I call it pra- between pragmatism and idealism. Yes. Right. So yeah. how do we weave between these two? Because we sacrifice idealism, like we're fucked. And if we sacrifice pragmatism, yeah, it we're can't fucked. be an either or. Yeah, it can't be an either or. So we have to kind of walk this fine line. Um, and I guess. I want to break it open. Like, what did you? It sounds like you came into the Integral Center probably a little bit more tipped over towards idealism, and there was a that experience was a corrective on that. Yep. Um, I'm I'm curious. Like, what did you discover? Like, what was the reality that you encountered that kind of like mm, uh, dissuaded you from some of your more idealistic positions? And yeah. Like, great. What? Where did you come out from that? And how are you feeling about it all now? Yeah. Great question. And so. I think as I'm describing this, I'm going to be conflating some categories out of habit, uh, but in a certain sense, like these polarities that we're talking about between idealism and pragmatism, um, I often kind of chunk that all the way up to just like masculine, feminine, sure, you know, and just got the yeah. fundamental dynamics of the universe, of the cosmos, to whatever degree that's actually real, maybe it's useful. Um, but yes, I would say when I started the Integral Center, you know, that was... Um, 2011, so I was 31 at the time, mm, your age. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, I would say I was definitely more on the idealistic side. I was definitely more of kind of like we need to kind of like do something and like make an impact on the world, and I'm, I want to help do that. And, and here's an opportunity. It kind of fell in my lap in a certain way. I didn't ever say I want to start an integral community center. It just mm. kind of all naturally showed up. It wasn't me, guys. Was, <laughs> me. Um, I'm sure I did something. But, yes, uh, many things kind of um, – tempered me over the years, I'll, I'll say. And one in particular, I would say, is, is uh, emblematic of this. And that was when we we had the One Taste organization renting space from us. 
Uh, and so that was like right at the beginning. Actually, they were already a tenant of the building when mm. I came in. Mm. But, you know, for those that don't know, the One Taste Organization, they primarily sponsor a practice called Orgasmic Meditation, which, you know, has benefits I could steel man and argue, but um, kicks up a lot of, you know, dust in its path, uh, you, you might say. I, at the time, was like, okay, so we're going to have an integral community center. It would be good to have a post-conventional sexual intelligence representation here. And uh, a colleague of mine at the time was hosting those classes. And I knew her well. I trusted her. I was like, okay, yeah, let's let's keep offering this to the community. Now, in our launch of the Integral Center, we brought a lot of attention with us. Mm. And then a lot of that attention, you know, started going there. And, and One Taste had some very strong marketing mechanisms that they employed and came into the kind of the wave that we were kicking up. And I didn't opportunize on that as much as I could have. I wasn't charging them like really high rent or I was just kind of like everybody else, like giving them a shot. And, uh, but, you know, as you can imagine, you know, a practice that's centered on sexual practice um, is going to really cater to that side of the, let's call it that side of the polarity, the idealistic side mm -hmm. of like, let's free, let's have sexual liberation, yeah. you know, let's have sexual positivity. And I certainly have, you know, had my days of practicing in that way and believing that, you know, uh, there can be more sexual freedom and expression. But this one started to kick up so much heat. Mm -hmm. And as the person kind of in charge of cleaning up those mess, I found myself mediating mm. like couples conversations mm. a lot that, you know, relationships were kind of like getting shattered and relationships shattered. I just kind of, mm. God, like over the years, I really hated the fact that like more often than not, people would come to the integral center and leave like with their relationship not mm. there anymore. And I was mm. like, okay, I don't, you know, I'm much more of a family person, at least mm. now on the other mm. side of that. So what happened was, is those one taste classes got out of hand, like a lot of energy was going towards them. And I started mm. hearing lots of complaints. And eventually I got an anonymous threat letter from someone in the community saying, I'm going to report you to child family services because there's, you know, sexual practices with children present here, which wasn't true. It was a big building. So there were people that would come to the classes and kind of, leave their kid with someone else in the building. Yeah, right. And some people saw that and were just kind of really um, disturbed by it, understandably. And so after some, you know, deliberation, I was like, okay, let's, let's stop. And even my friend who had been running the classes, she had kind of already stopped doing it, but she was like, oh, mm. the One Taste is flying out to leaders to like lead this community. And I was like, well, no promises. <laughs> like, yeah. I need to see how this is going to go. Yeah. But I was like, so I've considered it and now y'all need to find a new space, mm. you know, no judgment on what you do. I just can't be a host to it anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not my fight. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were great. The leaders one day, they're like, great, we'll go find another space. And they went through several other spaces in Boulder <laughs> before <laughs> leaving. And then, um, but we had all this massive community deliberation. There was all this drama, which brought all mm -hmm. the community people out to kind of be a mm -hmm. part of this <laughs> very exciting frenzy. And people, I, I was literally called a, patriarchal oppressor of feminine sexuality and uh people were saying it's like you're asking us to get our abortions in the alley and things like that and obviously wow. they, you know they weren't directly attacking me this way they were just kind of you know putting words to what it felt like was happening that yeah. their center was not sponsoring a practice that was very important to their development yeah. 
But that's where I first felt my resonance as a conservative. Mm. That like, you can call me whatever you want. It's my job to keep the doors of this place open. Mm. And so I'm, I'm going to conserve what I care about, mm. even if you're, you know, thinking I'm, you mm. know, the bad guy. Mm. Mm. And that, that was the beginning of me understanding what con- being a conservative really means. Mm. Well, so can you maybe expand on that a little bit more? Um, what, because I, I still feel, for me personally, like I sometimes get intimations of what being a conservative is, like the uh-huh. kind of uh, the healthy version of that, you know, which is on short, in short supply visibly in our country right now. But like from your perspective, from your kind of experience, what is that? What is it like to be a conservative? Like what, what, what do you, how, how is it to operate from that perspective? It's interesting because I, I don't resonate with any of the typical political conservative Republican perspectives yeah. necessarily. I, mean, right. I don't care, you know, abortion, you know, and gun control and stuff. Those aren't not what I'm talking about. It's more I feel connected to some sort of essence yeah. that when leaders of companies start to get attacked, I find it very easy to have compassion for mm, them and take their perspective. Yeah. That's one end. But on a more essential, you know, um, perspective, to me, it's a lot about family. Mm children that like um the priority of my attention is going to go towards the healthy raising of the next generation Mm. uh, or at least my next generation you know and so monogamy kind of comes on board with that um it's like it's it's not about what feels good to me in this moment it's about what gives the next moment the utmost chance of survival Mm. so like so in a, in a certain mm. sense, I'm, I'm whether it's a business or a child or whatever, there's right. a kind of that sensibility. So it's like yeah. I'm pro-life in the true sense of yeah, that word. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I believe that, like as a humanitarian, right. I want life to go forward, and that's the hard thing to do. Right. Um, it's not about me healing all of my traumas so that I can feel more free and fulfilled anymore. Right. I'm more about where does my work go into contributing to being of use to yeah, the world. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and even in hearing you say that, I can feel that impulse yep. in me more, right? When it's spoken in that way. I think typically conservatism is not presented in that way. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I, in, you know, there's a great book called How to Be a Conservative that, um, mm. you know, like speaks to a lot of things like mm. this. And it, 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 it's really great inquiry right now, especially with all the things yeah. that are happening with our current president and things like that. It's good to, I think, get intimate with these distinctions, it, particularly if you have an allergy one way or the other. Yeah. I happen to have an allergy towards the left right now. Yeah. And, right. um, but I, I have a lot of uh, relationship and intimacy with that because there's so many parts of me that still are liberal yeah. and yeah. come from the left. Yeah. I'm an integralist. I will never be one or the other. Okay. And so, and so, um, spend a little bit more time with this kind of like idea, like fall or what do you say? Tempered idealism yeah. kind of process. Uh, you know, I hear from people who listen to the podcast. I'm aware of many emerging communities who are attempting, I think, to do a similar kind of move to what you created with the Integral Center, you know, this kind of integral, metamodern, tier two community building. Like, what would you say or how would you uh, frame what it is to do that kind of work now that you've been through the gauntlet mm-hmm. of actually attempting to do that and being really on the frontier of that? Uh, how, would you, how would you frame that? How would you um, 
what would you say to those kinds of people or those kinds of projects that you know you maybe wish you had known at the beginning? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's like the first thing I could say is like hire me. I have a lot to contribute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, jokes aside, it's like that brings up a lot for me. Obviously, it's it's very much. Totally. So there's not not any one immediate clear answer. Uh, but for one, like go for it. Like, you know, I recognized at the beginning that this was going to be a personal development path that you can never get at a graduate school. Yeah. You know, that stepping into leadership in integral community development or really any kind of community organization is you're basically turning into the fire, mm-hmm. you know, of like the most challenging things about your own relationship to relationship, yeah. you know, will come up, especially if you're doing this with, you know, yeah, re- relating <laughs> as a, a practice that you work with is um, it, it's a great means of shadow work because all of your shadow is just going to get in line, line up to you. Yeah. And you get to, that's your job. It's just, right. you know, right. battling that every day. So good on you. I think this is really good work for, for like how the human species needs to be tempered. Yeah. Um, I would say to wh- whatever degree this is an impact on the world and things like that. I would argue, don't worry about that. That's not the issue. You know, the issue is making our bed. The issue is like, Mm. if you open up your fridge, would you be embarrassed to show someone what's in there? Or like, are you like taking care of your own? Uh. And like, you know, what I say to people that are all into impact and it's like, have you ever been impacted before? You know, Mm. do you you like how it feels? Like, Mm. (laughs) you know, like let's, uh, but I I get, I I understand the impulse to want to to make the world a better place. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. I would say it's just harder to make your community a better place. There is, I think, this uh, emerging trend of this recognition that somehow the, the, the structures that created belonging between human beings has been fractured. You know, we've, we've sort of outsourced connection to Facebook, we've, uh, and, and other algorithms, and we're, we're have a facsimile of connection and now we're longing for connection. And so there's, I think, a lot of people that I see who are like, okay, we kind of have the tools. Maybe they're authentic relating. Maybe they're building these kind of more intentional communities. Yeah, what have you. Um, and so now we need to kind of uh, put them together and actually create community, reweave the fabric that was broken. Mm-hmm. Um, are you optimistic about that? Or like, what do you think about that kind of enterprise? No, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm optimistic and skeptical. Yeah. Like I'm optimistic that like I trust the innovative um, instinct of our species to kind of work with these things. Yeah. It's like, you know, f- Facebook has, has, has only been around for what, you know, 20 years or so, if that. Yeah. And let's not overstep all of the great things that Facebook has brings into our life and, and brings into our life on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. Now, the fact that people are glued to screens all day, that is an epidemic, yeah. but it, it's an epidemic that everyone's aware of yeah. in the same way that everyone's aware that cancer is an epidemic. Yeah. And like, if, despite what your conspiracy, local conspiracy theorists may say, yeah. we're doing the best we can yeah. with yeah. cancer, yeah. right? So I am optimistic that like we, we are doing these things. And I think, yes, focusing on specifically like relational contexts and games Mm-hmm. and things and ways ways to be in the meat space with each other in more and more entertaining mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, engaging ways is a great place to put our energy mm-hmm. i get skeptical around people using that as a um in in kind of a reaction to 
Facebook has, right. you know, taken our connection from us, you know, right. and things like that. Right. It's like, no, 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 no. Facebook was an innovation on its own. And now we're kind of innovating in response yeah. to that. Um, yeah. There's no sticking it to the man here. There's uh -huh. <laughs> how I'm defensive of the man I am here. Well, but, uh, was, was there a sticking it to the man when you started the Integral Center? Did you feel that you have that energy or was that not present then? You know, there may have been. Um, it's hard for me to remember exactly my mindset, but a lot of this stems from my own felt disconnection with the things closest to me, you know? Mm. So I, I think it is easier for me to see in hindsight that so much of this was my own personal development of my own healing process. Like I wanted to um, be closer to my family of origin in mm. that I wanted to be successful in their eyes, mm. you know, and have closer connection to them. So that meaning if I could bring an authentic relating game home for Christmas, I could be a hero for the holidays. And for anyone that's ever tried to do that, you know that it tends to shatter on the <laughs> runway. And I'm here to say that like, yes, keep doing that uh -huh. as far as like, keep smashing your ego on the rocks of trying to have a closer connection with the people closest to you. Mm. You know, you will only learn things even if it's painful in the process. Mm. Um, just don't be surprised when your delicate plans fail. Um, but also just like, you know, wanting personal love in my life, wanting to feel like I'm making a difference in my community, wanting yeah. respect, all the normal, healthy ego things, which look really disgusting through the lens of like my false self must be destroyed. Mm -hmm. No, no, it's not, it's not a false self. It's an immature self mm. that we are looking to mature through mm. these, through I mean, these those impulses sound, sound beautiful to me. Well, right. But it's it's really easy to be like, oh, I'm just trying to get laid by being a big, big right. shot. You know, it's right. really easy. Right. So when you distort it kind of in that way. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. easy when we're inside in our own Especially head. when we're in the kind of like new agey <laughs> integral, you know. Role, right. right. And everyone's posting on Facebook telling you how disgusting oh that is. Yeah, and, right. And there's all the projections and judgments yeah, right. and all those things. But but truly, yeah, I was, um, you know, just just trying to do my part and get some attention for those things where I was and like have all those things. And that's more true than um, any stick it to the man story I totally. was telling myself cool. at the time. And frankly, I think the most important things that I want you who are starting a community organization to be aware of that this is your opportunity to mature yourself yeah. by doing like the, 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 the CEO yoga practice <laughs> is a high art of shadow work. And I hope anyone who wants to can sit in that seat. Nice. Nice. And, and so looking back on, I guess, what was it? Nine years? The Integral Center was around, or yeah, I mean, 2011 okay. um, is. But you know, I started working for Kin in 2005. Okay. With That's... Integral Institute, and then I was at Integral Life, and then spun off the Integral Center. Well, so maybe um, the two two kind of topics I'd, I'd really like to focus on uh, now is one is this uh, is is authentic relating and the kind of discovery sure. that hey, like if we want to pay the bills, like yeah, the yeah. thing that will do that. Yeah, yeah, great. Is circling, great. Um, and then the other piece is around your relationship your evolving relationship with like integral right so like yeah and maybe we can maybe we can start start there because okay. i'm curious um you know so you began working for ken wilbur was it with the integral institute yes which for folks who aren't familiar like that was kind of the mothership of integral yeah here in boulder um and you know i know lots of people like my good friend vincent horn yeah was involved with i worked that. yeah i worked you with know. vince yeah. yeah yeah and so it's like it was a little bit before my time coming to boulder but it was sort of like the source i think of a lot of subsequent activity here, right? It was a big totally. deal. I mean, it was, 
the coolest thing yeah. there was. It sounds super at cool. At the time, even in <laughs> retrospect, I was just like, yeah, it was a shit show, but it was super cool. And I got hired as the IT manager mm. um, at like $7 an hour. Mm-hmm. And that was like the majority <laughs> of us. You're probably so, so stoked for that too. I, I couldn't have been more thrilled because yeah. I had just graduated in Europa and mm-hmm. I was going to go to grad school, but I wanted to see if I could get a job. And I was getting rejected by like grocery stores and stuff. Yeah. You know, I probably shouldn't have had Naropa on my resume. But like, <laughs> you know, and then the synchronicity of like the, something I couldn't have been more in alignment with shows up. And I get to contribute to this thing. And I would argue that Integral Institute was by far the most impactful integral organization. It was mm. the um, the tip of the spear that kind of cleared the field. And Ken was fully the you know autocrat of that organization. And um, that was you know started as this think tank of just him yeah. inviting his coolest friends over for these kind of workshops, and then became a workshop company. And then of course Integral Naked happened, which was the website. It was the first. I know it wasn't the first, but it was definitely on the leading edge of like kind of membership subscription yeah. websites where, you know, um, you just had this ear into some of the most interesting conversations in the world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, that was the business Yeah. on top of, you know, it was a nonprofit and as well as the trainings. Yeah. And um, so I came in and like started reading Ken and was like, wow, this is, I felt seen. Like that, yeah. that was the impact Ken had on my life. When I read his books, I felt like, oh, the whole of my life where I've felt confused now makes sense. Mm-hmm. And this is something I've always been thinking, but someone put it into words because they were willing to do the homework. Mm. And that's kind of the feedback I've always got about people that are really enamored with Ken's work. Yeah. They're like, well, this is the stuff I was already thinking yeah. about, but he said it better. Yeah. And uh, so this is good. I'm feeling nice and warm and nostalgic thinking yeah. about these times. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, d- you know, inter- integral theory definitely was kind of my a priori, always already uh, operating system for the world. And, and was the, the integral institute was actually in the building that totally became the integral center. Right? Yes, the the building that was the integral center was the office where I. So first you've been there started. for you've been there for a long time at that. Yeah, location. I have a deep personal relationship with that building, and that yeah. building has a lot of history in Boulder in and of itself. It's, oh, a lot of spirits are going to be released from that place when, when it, it gets, gets mowed down to create. <laughs> what is it like just development? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so and so there was this transition point between the integral institute. And the integral center. Yes. Um, and with several pivots in between. Yeah. And so, it, it, which also involved the kind of collapsing of the integral institute, right? There was that, it, it, it kind of. Yeah. There was a whole storm of contentious conflict that happened um, where we had brought in a new CEO that a large portion of the group really liked, mm-hmm. um, but a large percentage disliked. Mm-hmm. And so there became a civil war. People kind of talked to Ken and Ken, you know, kicked out the new CEO mm. and half the company left with him. Right. That's black, 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 black Wednesday or Thursday or, or whatever it was. <laughs> whatever day that. it was. I've heard about that. When, yeah, yeah. Uh, we called him Win Kilber uh, showed up <laughs> and this really, I could tell stories about that meeting. I, you know, uh, besides not remembering the day, I remember lots of details. I really need to write these things down. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of my best friends at the time stood up in that meeting and walked out of the room. Mm-hmm. And I didn't because I didn't have to. And mm-hmm. I, there wasn't, 
I didn't move to Boulder to work for Ken Wilber. Right. I was looking for a job. Right. I literally found a job post on Craigslist that I responded to. So I didn't oh, have really? Ken up on a huge pedestal. Uh-huh. So I didn't feel so heartbroken yeah. when this was happening. I was like, he's a human being. He's, mm-hmm. you know, going through some leadership challenges. And I had other people in the company being like, Robert, please stay on board. Like, mm. you know, we need to keep this thing afloat. And I was getting a paycheck and all of these things. So I was like, I don't need to make a a stand for any <laughs> integrity here. I'm yeah. going to keep doing my I job. I see the roots of your conservatism <laughs> showing even, even that. Yeah. And uh, the new CEO that Ken brought in, I had already met at yeah. a workshop. And I was like, okay, this has some promise to it. And so yeah. we brought in the new CEO, Rob Smith, and... Um, spun up, um, spun off this for-profit called Integral Life, which took all of the media assets, Integral Naked, what became the Integral Life media mm-hmm. company that it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, you know, so that was a big, probably the biggest business career experience opportunity for me at the time, where I had lots of leadership opportunities. I, you know, was first running the customer service department, then went on to running marketing and yeah. was still helping out with the trainings while those lasted. And and so, the and then at some point it transitioned to the Integral Center. And, and Ken Wilbur at that point sort of like took a step back. Like I, I listened to a recording, I think of the first Aletheia. Yeah, yeah. Where Ken Wilbur, I don't know if he was actually physically there or if he was... No, he dialed him in. He, di- he dialed him in. Yeah. And he was like giving his blessing, it but beautiful. it wasn't his thing in the same way. Yeah. So it was, so this was a really great process of how it happened. So I appreciate you bringing that up. So what happened was of the people that did leave and weren't a part of Integral Life, Mm -hmm. um, Jeff Salzman um, started the Boulder Center for Integral Living, which was going to be a local Boulder community of integral enthusiasts and kind of a integral church. It was kind of oriented around a Sunday service kind of thing. And eventually Jeff bought that building, 2805 Broadway from Robert Polis, Jared Polis's brother, (laughs) um, where that's where Blue Mountain Arts used to be. That's where kind of the Polis, you know, enterprise happened was out of that building. And so, so Jeff and company took over that building and started doing an integral community center. Uh, And so that was happening. Integral life was happening. And then that's when I met my business partner, Decker Kunov, who was doing Authentic Man program and Authentic mm-hmm. Relating in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I was really enamored with that work because it was doing this very kind of gritty yeah. Authentic Relating that was serving my direct needs that the integral work hadn't been. Um, you mm. know, when we talked about the geeks and the geezers yeah, of right. the integral place, it was a lot of boomers kind of making sense of things where I was in the, the geek category of like, I still wanted to go on my edgy personal development journey. Right. And this was, you know, kind of showed up for me as that. Yeah. And I was worried that they weren't going to be very integral, but actually when I met the leaders of it, they were all integral geeks under the hood Oh, cool. and everything okay. about yeah. it was kind of based on Ken's work and the, you know. Core distinctions like states and stages and yeah. pre-trans fallacies were very known. And I was yeah. like, okay, good. This is yeah. good stuff. And so, um, you know, Decker and I started talking more about uh, how we wanted to work with each other, where I kind of wanted to leave what the integral community was to me and kind of work with them because it was mm-hmm. more of like a young, vital community mm-hmm. where he wanted to leave that community and work with the integral community, which mm. he saw as more sophisticated and kind of more like an audience that he wanted, more mature yeah, right. that he wanted to work with, less right. green in a certain right. sense. And so that's when, you know, at a certain point, Jeff Salzman put the, he was, things weren't working out with his center and he put the building on the market. 
Mm. So I was like, Decker, let's let's do it. Mm. And um, and the first step in doing it was like I brought Decker out, and we were doing. I was doing some things just to bring him into um, integral life more. Um, and so it was kind of trying to integrate him in that way. And that's when we decided to do the first Aletheia, which mm. the idea was let's take circling out of the, you know, men's dating category, you know, that Decker was kind of embarrassed about and bring it more explicitly integral co-ed mm. relating work. Mm. And let's create this new weekend called Aletheia. And this was before the integral center, actually, before we made this deal with Jeff. Mm. Uh, August 2011. And so we actually rented that building hmm. from Jeff for this weekend training, um, the Aletheia Integral Relating Weekend. And yeah, and so how we brokered this with Ken was we really, we wanted everything to have Ken's blessing. So we met with Ken and we were like, listen, you say jump, we say how high. Hmm. Like if you have a, a way you want to steer us in how we do any of this, you're the guy. Because mm -hmm. like we're not here to act like we're we know integral, mm -hmm. and I'm really glad that was you know Decker's leadership in that and kind of facilitating that conversation, and so yes, we invited Ken um, like many others have for their trainings to mm -hmm. to call in, mm -hmm. but it, it was such a different kind of a weekend workshop. Yeah. So we had already been circling you know and doing the yeah, practice yeah. all weekend, oh, yeah, you can and, tell when you and yeah. so then on Sunday we're all cracked open yeah. and and yeah, you should put a link to that recording yeah, yeah, uh, in the show notes. But you know, and then I dialed him into the room, which was an experience I knew about so well, mm. and it was amazing how in contact he was able to be. That was beautiful with the energetics yeah. of the room. And it's like, yeah, I cracked open and was like a pool of tears. Cause to me, this was like, this was everything I kind of dreamed and hoped it could be like happening in real time. Yeah. And like Junpo Roshi was there that oh, we invited no. him. Oh, to, yeah. We invited all these people into oh, wow. this experience to kind of like. Christen. Yeah. Yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. To christen this experience. And um, wow. What a, what a time. Yeah. And so, you know, you kind of got this blessing from Ken Wilbur. Um, and there is this sort of like integral brand, which, you know, I, I didn't participate in personally, but I kind of like have reconstructed and talking to people like yourself, like what happened with this? And it's, it's fascinating to me because it is this kind of, you know, um, one of the most popular modern philosophical movements yeah. um, that I'm aware of that actually also really like create, there was businesses, there were nonprofits, you know, there were journals, like all of this stuff was kind of created. And it seemed like at one point it was all under the auspices of Ken Wilber. Yep. And then increasingly it kind of got more. There was like a diaspora, like it kind That's of, the word I use. Yeah, and 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 you know, there even the Integral Center to a certain degree sort of like started under him, and then and then sort of like became its own thing. Yes. Right. And so, you know, I'm curious if you want to offer any reflections on like, you know, it started off as this sort of bastion of Integral Theory, perhaps, or something like that. But then it seems like. From my perspective, it's be it became something yeah. else. So this was my strategy for yeah. the Integral Center. So for one thing, it was a wholly separate company. We gave Ken some equity and we put him on the board of directors. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we really, we would just have, conver I would email with Ken and have conversations, keep him up to date. He never really gave us much direction beyond like advice. Yeah. But he, he never was like, guys, you shouldn't do this. You should do this. He was yeah. just, I think, very... Um, wanted to enable, you know, uh, people to bring this work into the world in whatever way he could. He was really generous in that way. And those that know Ken, well, he's very, he's magnanimous and has a huge heart. 
Um, but the Boulder Center for Integral Living that had been, you know, operating here and, and, and in general integral or communities were more oriented around the theory, around the philosophy. Let's read Ken Wilber's books and let's share connection based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been, you know, in marketing and integral life and really understood what it means to try to sell theory and philosophy, yeah. you right. know, and that there's a, a limits to that. In a certain sense, I think there's enough audience on earth that you can have plenty of companies just dedicated to that. Yeah. But for me, a lot of the people that I wanted to reach, I couldn't reach in that way. Yeah. You know, I could only show up to so many friends with a stack of books in my arms and be like, you should read this and yeah. have them kind of like run away from me. Yeah. When I found the authentic relating work, that's when I had a profound personal transformation that mm-hmm. had people reflecting to me that I was different socially. Mm-hmm. People wanted to actually engage with me socially mm-hmm. more after this because I let go of something and continued to and became more charismatic and sociable. And so I was like, okay, this is integral from my assessment as far as um, uh, integral consciousness, like the practice of authentic relating is a second tier orientation because we're operating to include the different elements of us that we would normally want to exclude for various reasons. Mm. And we're doing that from a place of, mm-hmm. um, yeah, of a transcendent include perspective. And I can mm-hmm. say more about that. So I was like, okay, this is integral. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to call this integral center, but instead of foregrounding Ken Wil- Wilber's theory, we're going to put this practice up mm-hmm. and make this a practice-oriented community yeah. organization. Yeah, show, don't tell. In that sense. Yeah. yeah, and so that was our stalking horse idea of like, let's lead the people to the integral with the gooey, juicy, green, you know, relating practices. Yeah. And then, you know, um, let them be integral that way. I, I almost yeah, yeah. wanted to rebrand integral as like practice-based mm. um, and yeah, not right. just the ILP kit, you know, yeah, like... Yeah. That and so, I think in some ways we were successful in in doing that. I think a lot of the other integral organizations they never said this to me directly. I always had an imagination that they were probably like, Robert, what are you doing selling green practices as integral? You know, you're muddying the brand. Well, okay, so I'm not an integral theory expert by any means. So when you, and I've heard you say this a couple of times, when you say circling is a green practice, yeah, can you yeah. just unpack that a little bit. Like, what, totally. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So. I want, to, I want to say a, a fair amount about this, actually. It's because circling in r- relational intelligence practice, we're trying to get away from the word circling a little bit because that's taken on a life. And so it's kind of like yoga, where like if you go to a yoga class, you have no idea what you're getting because yeah, right. so many people have adopted it. Yeah, right. So, so, so integrally informed relational intelligence practices, whatever, <laughs> um, are, if you know the quadrants, lower left practices. They're about intersubjectivity. Like the if there's a there there, if there's anywhere to get, it's more right here and understanding what kind of shared reality we have. Not assuming I know what's your world or vice versa, but let's see through our language if we can create a we space that both of us are like, hell yes, Mm -hmm. we understand each other. Mm -hmm. That is the lower left terrain in my understanding of integral theory, Mm -hmm. that the intersubjectivity. Mm -hmm. And so this is a practice that's meant to foster intersubjectivity. And Decker and I were like, well, Ken has always said this in his books, that this is the lower left quadrant is the most underdeveloped praxis wise. And so we have a praxis for that. So Uh practice for that. So let's, let's cater to that. And that's what we enrolled Ken in. It's like, we want to do this. And he was like, hell yeah. Yeah. I can tell you about the time that we 
try to circle Ken without his awareness and started a lot of this. But like, uh, so, so that was, that, that was the idea. And so when I say circling in a, you know, relational intelligence practices or dream practices is because the lower left quadrant when, um, reduced to only that is what green is. Okay, so let me. So, so reductionism is something we talk about in integral theory a lot, and yeah. I think the most co- common one you may be familiar with is like material reductionism yep. or scientific reductionism, meaning like the right-hand quadrants, objectivity. Uh, I see. So, are you saying that that, that, that these relational intelligence uh, practices reduce everything into the space of relational? I would say that's what Green's um, unhealthy expressions are: uh-huh. is an intersubjective reductionism. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so, for those that I'm speaking way too fast for, I apologize, but this is really good distinctions. So, you know, materialist reductionism, scientific reductionism is when we say there's only the objective world. If you can't measure it, it doesn't exist, which is in resistance was birthed out of the traditional worldview where the church was trying to tell you God says this, so therefore. So they're saying, no, we're not going to trust anything that comes from subjectivity or interiors. Feelings and all that stuff doesn't matter. That's modernity right? Is, is, um, yeah, the scientific enlightenment. Let's go with objectivity, mm-hmm. but that's a reductionism. It's only, it's cutting out half of reality because right. subjectivity and internal experience is half of reality. Okay. So we're familiar with that reductionism. Intersubjective reductionism is where we actually post-modernity, we mm-hmm. feel the pains of that mm-hmm. modern perspective and then say, no, we have to bring back the mystic, mystery, the magical things that happen through connection, Mm -hmm. through the juicy feelings Mm -hmm. that are subjectivity and intersubjectivity. Mm -hmm. But then we lop off objective. We don't trust Mm. science. We don't trust progress. We don't trust Mm. corporate corporations. I'm talking about the Mm. unhealthy aspects of postmodernism and green. Mm -hmm. And so that's the intersubjective reductionism that that I think green suffers from a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that the relation practices are integral green. And so this is a terminology I, I heard in some meetings with Ken and some others that, that there's like a integral blue or integral amber, yeah. integral orange, which means we're coming from a second tier cognitive perspective, but our self sense and our kind of uh, orientation is um, like amber. Mm-hmm. Um, so like integral amber, integral blue, uh, means that we're like really doing the work to include the 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 good virtues of you know morality mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that. Integral orange is we're from an integral perspective including the best of modernity and things mm-hmm. like that. So integral green therefore is integral but focusing right. on green, which right. to me I argue is kind of a pretty high bar yeah. because teal the first level of second tier is in reaction to green. You know, second mm. tier is still part of that dialectic pushing off of first mm. tier. And green is the thing where at the early integral seminars, we could all point our fingers and laugh at green and be like, mm-hmm. we're not that. And that would help mm-hmm. us identify ourselves. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, cause that's how development happens. Mm-hmm. And from my, my awareness. And so it's like, okay, well, let's be integralists and let's bring in the thing that we're most allergic to. Mm. Let's, you know, Bring into bed the things that we're allergic to, so we can actually integrate that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and it strikes me that's like a practice. Then, therefore, that really meets our culture, or you know, uh, the, the mainstream of our culture, like uh, you know, San Francisco and Boulder. Sure. Where is that? You yes, know? no, definitely in green. 
I, I believe that the world is only going to be getting more green and postmodern and unhealthy. And I think a lot of the things that we're, the, the fever pitch, a lot, a lot of things we're seeing in culture right now are telltale signs of that. Yeah. And so like, uh, like if you want to read a, if you haven't read a Ken book and you want to really tap into what we're talking about here, the, the book he wrote about Trump is called Trump in a Post-Truth right. World that he published last year after the election. Um, hits this nail right on the head about what's happening in the world and how it fits into the integral framework. And so, yes, I would say, you know, that's where the integral center by focusing on these practices, not only we're speaking to something that's very relevant, the market responded. Right. You know, that first Aletheia we had. Right. I was hoping to get 10 people. We had 48 people. Right. And and that's what had us be like, we have a business. Right. Jeff, give us the lease to the integral center. Yeah. Boom. Launch. Go. And right. then Boulder responded and showed up and said, okay. And that's where I I don't know how long it took me to realize the mistake I had made by not having the theory mm. more foregrounded. You mean because then it became uh, less of an integral green practice and more of a green green practice? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. people... <laughs> define integral the way they want to define integral. They weren't defining integral the way we wanted them to. (laughs) And I could have done a much better job of this, of like putting an about us page on the website that says like, this is what we mean when we say integral. But instead, people were like, oh, integral, by that you mean holistic, or by that you mean integrated. It's how many times people would be like complaining about something in the community and be like, how can you say that you're integral and not be inclusive of everything? Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, well, Mm. integral includes exclusion too. Mm. It includes discernment, (laughs) you know, like, you know, and so I made the mistake and this is what I would recommend to anyone wanting to have an integrally oriented community or community in general is, is like, you need to have good mental frameworks, right? You know, distinctions and orientations. So not having that, I, got hit by the tidal wave of green and got tumbled out of uh, effectual leadership. So lo- looking back on it, I'm curious, like, how would you have, um, if, you, if you have a sense of it, like, invoked that kind of conceptual framework that you imagine would have kind of kept the green at bay or moderated it in a way? That... Um, simply, I would have taught integral theory more. Uh-huh. And so in the later days... Um, of the Integral Center, I started hosting an Integral Salon, which you came to one yeah. of. And, and it was great. I already had an audience at that time. I had people that would show up to hear what I had to okay. say. And and they were, the people were like, that had just been circling and things like that were like, oh, this is great. You know, thank yeah. you. But, but I do feel like, you know, th- there was this obvious draw. And w- watching from the outside, like I wasn't a, a deep participant yep. in the Integral uh, Center. But what I noticed was there was this real draw to the authentic relating practices yes. and to circling. Like, in my mind, you know, that was what the integral center was. And I imagine that even if you were teaching integral theory, that many people could have gone and participated in those experiences without ever having encountered the actual theory, right? Yeah. You're saying I could have been, been teaching the, say, well, say well, that part like, again? So, so um, I, I, I just want to, I guess, you know, if, if the practice is... I mean, it's, it's interesting. You kind of put yourself in this catch-22 because you wanted to, to, to totally. put the practice first and kind of background the integral theory. But in doing that, you created a context in which you could kind of just like circle within the green That's space. Right. And, and I just wasn't aware of how basically immature I was. 
you know, like as as a an organizational developer, you know, as a as a leader in a certain sense. Yeah. So I invited on this faculty circle. You know, Decker and I created this. We got all these teachers from town that could fill a room on their own to kind of create classes and things mm-hmm. like that. But I didn't. What I would do in hindsight yeah. is um, make it a requirement that we know integral theory or that we right. learn it. It's like here's the book. We all have to read Boomeritis. You know, like pass a test. Yeah, and yeah. just and basically just have a stronger criteria. Yeah. I was being more of a you know very inclusive and just yeah, like trust yeah, yeah. and assuming that people saw the world the right. way I do. Right, and that's I mean, so I mean, coming from I'm more come from a Buddhist kind yep. of practice background, and you know, we talk about in some cases like practice and, and view, right? Where, yes. Where, the practice kind of meets the conceptual framework, and in that there's some kind of alchemy. Yes. Right? So you trust your experience and you keep refining your view over time. And it seems like if you don't have the view, if you don't have the conceptual framework, Bingo. you kind of just you almost like. And this is my experience again. Look, mostly looking in from the outside um, was that people did these authentic relating practices and almost kind of got like ah. Uh, addicted to the feeling of connection in and of itself yes right and it was it it it, it felt it felt we kind of it felt a little weird you know totally somehow, like look, com, coming into that experience totally like, it what was, is it the, was, what's it was going cult, on here cult weirdo yeah you know and, and and people would keep us at an arm's length distance mm-hmm. you were like mm, i don't know about that place you know in the one taste practices and things like that you know those never went away from our reputation, even mm-hmm. though that was it was only like six months after mm-hmm. we opened the center that I kicked them out, yeah. uh, asked them to find a new place. And we still have that reputation to this day. And that just shows you how much that dimension Sticky of eyes. life yeah. is, uh, is defended. Um, but you're, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what happened. And basically, I, I wasn't giving just kind of the insidiousness of hedonism, you know, and just human immaturity. <laughs> Uh, the respect that it needs and like how it's, it's kind of like when you raise a child thinking that you should just like let the child be who they want to be and create no boundaries mm-hmm. and just like let them push you over. Yeah. That doesn't raise a very mature right. child. Right. You need to know how to set boundaries. Yeah. I didn't know how to set good boundaries with my community. Uh-huh. And when I, we had in our, you know, T3 facilitator training, we were teaching integral theory every weekend mm. and my own course leaders pushed it out. Mm-hmm. They weren't comfortable with it. My own faculty weren't comfortable mm-hmm. with integral theory, and they were and like, were like mm-hmm. "They were like the participants. <laughs> the participants are complaining about this. It's too heady." Da 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 da. And I kind of threw my hands up in the air and said, "Look, oh, fine. You know, have it your way." And I didn't have enough kind of whatever experience backbone at the time to kind of push back and say, "No, this is essential. This is interesting. What we are." Yeah. And so that was, even though I put the theory kind of on the in the background it i it wasn't strong enough yeah and i you know i should have just like had a intro to integral theory class or a video on the website or right. something that could allow people to say well, what do you mean when you say integral right. and instead we just got hit by that addiction right. to connection right and and so i mean now from my perspective i see the integral center as being kind of like ground zero for the uh, practice and subsequent spread of these authentic relating. I would say we we made a extraordinarily practices. large impact on certainly the fact that circling is now a thing. <laughs> yeah, that circling is now a thing. I mean, there's there's like every week it feels like there's another like authentic relating group in some 
state or town or wherever. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 spreading across and, the world. You know, I it's probably worth doing a some sort of a cursory investigation, but you can probably trace a lot of those leaderships back to to 100%. us. I mean, definitely, certainly, yeah. certainly. And so in that way, you you have had a, a great impact, and are going to continue to have. That's that's why I feel like I, I don't need to teach circling anymore. Yeah, because no, the cat's I think you did it. You did it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's out now, and I think like. That is, from my perspective, the, the, the kind of contribution to contemporary spirituality of the Integral Center. It's like, you were this place, yep. and it kind of spread from there. And, and I think increasingly it feels like circling and authentic relating is thoroughly decoupled from Integral like theory and philosophy. Totally. Well, it, it, it has an inherent uh, resistance to it. Right, yeah, because it's, it's, it emphasizes like the non-conceptual and the feeling. And so that's where, yeah. like, you know, when you say it's like, you know, we had an impact on, you know, this you know, um, contemporary spirituality, I almost grimace a little bit being mm. like, oh, I've, I've unleashed a, a monster into the world. Well, okay. so this is, this is where I wanted to go is like, okay, so you release this monster <laughs> onto the world. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful, right? It is like, beautiful. so many. It's, it's so good. good. Even though I, I have a very hard time getting back to it, it's still the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's super good um, in in many ways, and you know, and, and but but okay, so so this monster is now walking the world. I don't think you have any control over it, even though it might have like been born in your laboratory to some degree. Correct. Um, I can only keep teaching and yeah, you can do what you do, and you yeah. can have conversations like this, exactly. right? And it's like, what are you concerned about? What do you like? Uh, uh, well, let's let's start with what do you what are you concerned about? Like as these practices start to unfold out of context. Well, it's really great, at, you know, articulating these things as we're having the conversation about it. I kind of even relax a little bit because I'm like releasing these things, which are only as true as my thoughts of anything else. Sure. You know, it's like, of course, the predominant psychological aspects of this practice ended up being what it's mostly experienced as. You know, if it's a green practice, it's, it's, it's going to be green because yeah. the majority of the world is becoming in, is green. Mm -hmm. And so we fed the green and it grew from it and the branches actually grew in that direction. Yeah. So that's okay, you know, um, because it's probably helping people more than it's hurting them. And green, when it faces its own limitations for long enough, will inevitably birth into integral. I think it really helps to have good integral view. Mm -hmm. It really assists mm -hmm. in that birthing of second tier. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, what am I worried about? I mean, personally, it's like I'm I'm kind of disgusted whenever... I feel like people feel like they just have the permission to just tell people whatever they're experiencing, you know, like uh, this kind of radical honesty, mm. you know, I'm just being authentic and true to my experience of mm. you. And I did this workshop, this authentic relating workshop, and now I can tell you that I, you know, when you look like that, I think you're an asshole, you know, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, wow, did we, <laughs> did we deconstruct our civility, mm. you know, by, by creating a deconstructive, a relational, um, interpersonal deconstruction practice have we deconstructed the things that make us like civil human mm -hmm. beings yeah, it's like yeah. well kind of not yeah. no, it's not that dramatic yeah. but you know and people are just trying to be useful in conversation it just happens yeah. to be unattractive to me yeah. even though it's hip to a lot of people <laughs> does that make sense I, I, I mean it first of all like <laughs> yeah it makes a lot of sense <laughs> I, I find it to be um let's see what work i use yeah, let's just say unattractive. Yeah, uh, it's, and it's hard. It's it, it it's hard. It actually feels like sometimes when people are stuck in that kind of like mode, that it, it gets in the way of relating. Totally. In a really like ironic, 
Totally. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like the pickup lines of right. conversation, <laughs> which are more disgusting than the awkwardness that preceded it. Right, 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 right. And so, so, so a concern that you have, I think it sounds to me, is, is sort of like that the proliferation of these technologies will cause some subset of the people who practice them to be kind of stuck in that mode of relating and sacrifice. I mean, they'll probably grow out of it. Yeah. You know, the, it's sure. just the fact that I've given permission to it. Mm -hmm. And no, I haven't. But it's like my work has given more permission to people to be kind of like conceited that assholes way, yeah. that way. You know, because they think it's like, but that's that's the that's workshop the way, mentality yeah. in general. People go to yeah. Landmark, which is a great workshop, and then they come out acting and, and it's speaking. And it's the dialectic. It's the dialectic exactly. too. Like, so, and then uh, by that same token, so I think, you know, that's a concern that I share too. Um, uh, but then, or... First, what would you kind of say to folks who are participating in these ecosystems of practice as they're emerging? Um, yeah. You know, what, what, would you have any advice as they kind of encounter these practices and start to work with them in their own lives? Well, you know, there's so many things I could say about this. You know, there's the, the big strokes, which are like get familiar with the distinctions on, you know, postmodern development, you know, from like, you know, like integral theory, Wilberian, you know, stuff. Read some kin, read that Trump post-truth world book or the new teachers of postmodern, the ills of postmodern, like Jordan Peterson, mm, you know, like get, yeah. get intimate with those distinctions, even if you're allergic to it, even more if you're allergic right. to it. But, uh, but more granular is um, these practices brought me in touch with the benefits of like, um, like attachment uh, theory in relationships where what we taught with authentic relating is really good for how you can be in the moment in relationship with anyone, mm. but doesn't really help you in how you like have a better relationship mm. with like your spouse yeah. or something like that. And that's where attachment theory, I think is really useful. Cool. Like Stan Tatkin's book and things like that, where it's like, okay. Um, so a good example of that is like what creates secure at attachment, like with, with your child, if they say like, you know, am I going to die someday? You know, do you, do you say it's like, yep, <laughs> I'm being authentic. That's how I feel. You're going to die, you know, <laughs> or do you say, you know, it's like, you know, a long time from now or, you know, da, 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 you know, like, or here's the one that that's really great. So when your partner says, I love you, mm -hmm. you know, kind of with that, like, um, this is the cue for you to say it back. That used to disgust me. You know, that, that's where I was mm -hmm. in my development that uh, mm. and in Gestalt, um, they call that proflexion. Like um, the, the disgust. No, the the, the the saying "I love uh -huh. you" as a means to get Illicit. contact, yeah, yeah. as opposed to as a statement of authentic expression. So the, I used to be really disgusted when people would do these things, you know, in an indirect, passive way yeah. to, to get contact. Yeah. And so that's why I was really attracted to the authenticity right. of these relating practices. Right. But if you if your partner says "I love you," they're wanting secure attachment. They're wanting reassurance that there's a bond here. And if you're just like, great to hear, babe, you know, or like, I felt that way last week, but in this moment, I am attracted to my coworker and I'm thinking we should open our relationship. You know, I'm being kind of caricaturing, <laughs> right, 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 right. but that's, that's kind of what it caters right, read to. Read between the lines in a sense. Like, yeah. Like take, actually hear what they're asking for. Yes, and, 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 take and take responsibility for, for holding the context mm -hmm. that you've committed to, mm -hmm. not your hedonistic in the moment mm -hmm. urge and being authentic to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now there's truths on both sides of these and partialities to both sides of these. Uh -huh. But that's, I would yeah. say, understanding like secure attachment in relationships is a great balancing 
category for authentic relating. Mm. Both are good. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, I've, I've had that kind of similar discovery, and I think Great. I'd double click on that. Um, and then I think the last thing I'd just like to hear you say a little bit on is, um, so we talked about these practices as being uh, green, integral green. Mm-hmm. Is there an integral, integral relational practice, and what would that look like or do, have you discovered that or like what what is that even a sensical thing to, like, i don't know is there an evolution of these practices that is way more baller and complete or what? well i don't i don't know that maybe i would say in my terminology with integral green i think you know integral is always integral is defined second tier is defined by an integration of first tier yeah. you know so it's always you know and so therefore an integral integral would be like a the true conveyor belt in, you know, Ken's model of like where we're tending to all of the first tier, you know, virtues. Um, but when I say integral green, I do like my desire for the, these community organizations and practices is that I believed our circling that we taught was an integral practice because it focused on the context. When we would teach mm. circling facilitators, we spent a lot of time on the art and science of setting context, yeah, right. which means what are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? Who's doing it? Like all of the, the container around before we jump into the end the moment practice. Mm. Having a facilitator and not a facilitator that's the authority on truth, but just has the specific job of facilitating conversation yeah. is better in yeah. our world than not having a, a facilitator. Yeah. It's more integral because yeah. it's including those yeah. vertical dimensions. Right. So I hold circling as a as a integral practice because it has an integral context. As long, it sounds like to me, as you leverage context appropriately and set context in a way that totally. facilitates it as being an integral practice instead of this kind of... It, yeah, bingo. Yeah. And it's like, I would say if you're starting a community organization or anything, and like you want it to benefit from the other dimensions of reality, um, you know, have an integrally informed context or bylaws or operating agreement or start of a marriage or something like that. Include not just horizontal dimensions, but vertical dimensions as well. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully if you understand integral philosophy well enough or the kind of where it's pointing, you don't even need to use the word integral. You don't need to reference these sure. things. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. can recreate it in your own context. Yeah. And like if you've been alive for long enough in this world that we're in right now, you likely have an experience of being attracted to and burned by both horizontal and vertical dimensions of life. You've the vertical dimensions being like that. Some people are better at some things than others. And you've been a loser in that. And you're like, you know, want to take down the man and destroy verticality and the patriarchy, blah, 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 or the horizontal dimensions. And it's like, isn't it so gooey that we are just two human beings? (laughs) And then actually we have no idea what excellence is anymore. And what time is the bus getting here? (laughs) Why we're getting out of bed in the morning. Yeah. So like, you know, this is, it's maturity lends ourselves to a relationship with these things and having the words, the models, the, the cognitive line of development, studying integral theory is really useful. So in my mm. personal relationship with integral over the years, I consistently was impressed by how relevant mm. it is. And when I started the integral center, I was like, oh, we don't have to focus on theory so much because a lot of people don't like that. When I closed the integral center, I said, it's essential yeah. to teach integral theory. Yeah. Nice. Um, Thank you for all the, any, anything that you'd like to share with the audience, you know, before we close this conversation? No, I mean, this is really 
entertaining for me to get to be in this conversation, especially with you who's, who really understands the conversation that we're talking about. And I imagine your audience really mm-hmm. understands these things too. And if you don't, feel free to hit either of us up and yeah. ask for references and resources. But this is healthy and like nourishing for me in that I get to look at how I'm still sitting with things because I'm in a place of not only stepping away from the authentic relating work, but also I'm now free from integral. Mm-hmm. I don't run the integral center, so I don't have to be an integralist. And that's allowing me to have some objectivity on integral as a worldview as I've held it. Yeah. So this is helping me in my intimacy with that. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I look forward to my next manifestation mm-hmm. and um, hopefully keeping keeping you in the loop. And I'm really excited for you that uh, you're going on to this these new cool chapters in your life. And I want to stay in touch. Hey, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. And um, yeah, this has been great. And I appreciate you being so transparent with all like the kind of history and the kind of uh, the becomings, because I think actually that helps us really understand better where it could go, where it is going. You know, there's been the, the diaspora that happened that caused the integral center is now, I think, happening again, right? As some of these practices head out into totally. the world. And so it's just, I love, you know, being able to talk with somebody like yourself who kind of has a sense of this this journey that it's been on and, and can help us orient into the future. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, a whole other set of topics we could yeah. bookmark on, you know, but like I'm much more attracted now to like um, mature spiritual lineages because mm-hmm. I encountered so many just kind of emergent, you know, spiritual lineages that didn't know how to like pass this on to another generation because it wasn't formally passed on to them. And so like you being a, a Buddhist guy, you know what mature yeah. lineage looks like and also it's unhealthy aspects, hey, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, bueno. Yeah, right on, man. <laughs> cool. Uh,